You beat those stamp Nazis with good old-fashioned American complaining. Oh, if it weren't for you, we'd be at the mercy of weekend philatelists. You know, why didn't you just say stamp collectors? Because I'm tired of dumbing myself down for you. Live from the Stamp Show Here Today infotainment complex, this is the award-winning Stamp Show Here Today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to leave that one in. A little bigger. Yeah. <laughs> a little, little philately. You can support this witless Taj by joining the Stamp Show Here Today community. The cost is only $10 for a lifetime membership. We are an APS-affiliated club. Listen to the end credits for more information on joining. And by the way, we've had three people pay double. Uh, Alan, shout out to Alan. We just had lunch with him. Uh, We have three people. Only one person has emailed in for a free membership. So we have two free memberships. Uh, Email me, cashagradingmatters.com. And this is Lord Cash. This is Ecumenical Patriarch Mark. This is Sir Jim. This is Surf Scott. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, listeners will notice that we were on a hiatus last week. That's because uh, we tried to get everybody together, and everybody was in various forms of returning or still at the auction at Westpex. So, how was Westpex? Um, it was actually about the warmest Westpex I've ever been to. Um, as far as foot traffic on, at the show, not as good as four or five years ago, but it still seemed to be okay. Uh, Friday was good. Saturday was kind of mediocre and Sunday kind of very quiet. I heard the same thing. Yeah. Yep. That was my experience too. I had no ex- prior experience with a colder uh, West Pex, but it seemed chilly on the bay there. Well, it's always chilly on the bay because you got you're right there on the water and you can always have a breeze. Oh, I have a favorite story that I talk about. Uh, first of all, Mark Twain said there has never been a uh, colder day than a summer day in San Francisco. Uh, we left from Southern California, drove up to West Pex. I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt because it was so hot. I got there and it was like 40 degrees. It was <laughs> incredible, the change in temperature. Anyway, so what did you all get? Oh, Mark, how, oh. how did you see the show before we move on? Uh, yeah, I'd say it was, uh, I, I saw it significantly less foot practice, but also significantly fewer dealers. Um, because most of the booth spaces were taken up by auction companies, so I don't know if that's something that's um, that's kind of uh, you know the, a, a new kind of a thing or, or what. But uh, I, I've never seen so many auction companies take up booths at Westpac's, and that's not a good sign, also, because auction companies tend not to pay dealer prices; they tend to pay information prices. So, yeah, because they're not selling anything. So it's like a drop in income to Westpex also. Yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, Siegel and Kelleher both had booths, and I know that they likely paid for their booths. Oh, yeah, you do. You just don't pay full price. I don't know about that. Guaranteed. Guaranteed it's price. 
I was going to say for it was a good cover show for me and anybody it was one of the better cover shows that I've been to so there were more cover dealers than normal I would say yeah I had a a little bit of a tough time on the show floor finding stuff. I, I spent about 3000 on the show floor and then uh, another 3000 at the auction. Um, but on the show floor, I found a, uh, a really nice RS-315C, which is a, um, uh, um, a medicine stamp um, from uh, Gary Morris at Pacific Midwest. Uh, he does bring a lot of stuff to Westpex, but the stuff that he brings is, is really eclectic and, and nice quality. And then I got a nice uh, R101A from uh, from Jim Taft. What'd you get? Oh, well, I spent almost all my money in the auction because there was some very good Western covers in my area. Um, the uh, on the floor itself, um, basically bought out of the dollar box, two dollar boxes. Um, and nothing spectacular there. The really spectacular cover that was um, on the floor for me was a territorial era Silver Peak, Nevada postmark. Very nice one. Where is Silver Peak? Uh, Obviously, it's a dead post office, right? Actually, I think it's still there and active as a post office, or at least it was until recently. Um, it's in uh, Lyon County, I believe. It's up in that um, mining area. Yeah, Skyler Rumsey auction is wild. He started calling lots before Westpex started and continued calling lots after Westpex ended. Yep. I mean, it was just it was solid. And, and the lots that I bid on were at the tail end of the first day. And at 10, a, 10 p.m., they were still like 200 lots away from my lots mm-hmm. uh, so mm-hmm. i just left bids with the auction house and went to bed and in the morning i woke up and i was four for four so i figure nobody was up bidding after yeah <laughs> 10 o'clock which is kind of lucky because the prices for both all the prices for uh skyler siegel and kelleher over the last couple of weeks they're all kind of going crazy yeah I was going to say the auction itself was interesting because um, the Hawaii Collectors Club has a meeting there. Yeah. And he had a really big section of Hawaii and some very nice lots of Hawaii stamps. Um, And all of those were very powerful in the auction itself, selling for right around or above the high estimates. Yeah, I was um, I didn't I did not attend Westpac's. Uh, because I spent all my money in Tennessee the week before. But uh, so last week I was actually here and I could have done a state of the hobby financial podcast, but it was like, eh, you know, the bottom of the market's dropping, the top of the market's increasing, auctions are going crazy. I've said it several times before. I mean, I need to find a new way to say it. Yeah, maybe, but maybe that, that's I'll been use going AI. on for 20 years. No, 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 no. Uh, over since November, we have seen a definite change in the auction and in the stamp collecting market. I mean, I've seen it on eBay. eBay is uh, actually I'm up again on eBay. How are you doing on eBay? Uh, I'm kind of down on eBay right now. 
I'm uh, I'm down, but not much. And like I said, because I sell a lot of foreign, back in November, October of last year, I was way down because the dollar was so strong. Every, all my stamps were 17% higher to foreign bidders, so I sold nothing overseas. Yeah, it used to be that I could kind of clock my sales with how the stock market was doing. The stock market was really bad. My sales would go down, that kind of thing. But now it, the economy is just so crazy that there's just no telling. Well, see, the, that's the thing is the economy isn't real crazy right now. The, the economy is exactly what you'd expect and what I expected like nine months ago. But there are still a lot of people out there who say, no, nah, there's not going to be inflation. Mm. You know, it, it's all going to get fixed. And uh, you, to those people, you know, it's like, great. I, you I, know, whatever you're smoking, pass some over here. I, I think a lot of the people that are saying that uh, weren't around 40 or 50 years ago either. That could well be the case. However, um, they were around. It, the big thing that we're fighting with is that people aren't looking at this from the standpoint of the 1970s. They're looking at it from the standpoint of 2008. And in 2008, you had all this, but stamp prices actually dropped. We are in a different market now, but they look back at 2008, not 1980. And uh, they're expecting the same thing, and I don't think we're in the same boat. As a matter of fact, I know we're not in the same boat. Well, I, I, I look at interest rates now, and they're they're below, they're, they're hovering right around the low 6.5% six, six range. And I remember buying my first house in 1995, and, you know, my interest rate on my mortgage was like 18 percent yep so i mean this is i mean it's bad from recent memory but it's not as bad as it was and that's when it was coming down in 95 that's true so yeah i see a lot of even the large lots that were at skyler because Siegel doesn't sell large lots. But the large lots that were at Skylar went for crazy prices. And not I shouldn't say they went for crazy prices. They went for significantly more than one would expect. I, I don't know. I, I looked over a few shoulders as they lots were being previewed, and there was really good material in a lot of those lots. There was. The, the ones that I looked at uh, with the potential to buy... Um, there was some very nice material in it, and it, and invariably they would bring like double the high estimate. The um, California did not do as well as I thought versus the estimates, but um, what do you mean by explain that? I'm sorry, the California lots there were there were postal five or six postal, postal history. history lots. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, no, people, We're talking people, stamps and covers people may and, not realize that you are, like, the, the guy. Well, I was looking at the cover. Yeah. But the, the cover lots also had stamps in them. And I looked at a, a lot that... Um, Which I, I think I, is actually a little more unusual. Yeah. Most cover lot, most, most postal history lots are strictly postal history. Yeah. And, and there were two that I looked at that were particularly of interest to me. Um, one had a bunch of, uh, it, it, it was pretty interesting cover lot, but it had Spanish-American uh, patriotics and 
Shanghai uh, postal history in it. And it was estimated, at, I can't remember, it went for double the estimate, and I was the underbidder. At double, mm -hmm. my bid was double, and there was somebody that bid on the phone over it. And again, you know, the these auction companies are not sitting there going, "Well, what are you going? We going to estimate this at you know, right. sp spin the wheel or throw a dart at a dart." No, these guys know what they're doing. They're they're estimating at what they would estimate the lot to go for. And a year ago, or eighteen months ago, their estimates were perfect. You know, they'd yeah. estimate it between 2,000 and 2,500, and it would sell for 2,400. There was an Did early there was an early Utah lot that had um, Army mail in it from the early uh, Johnson Army um, encampment there at Camp Floyd, and that lot I bought that lot, but I paid over the high estimate for it. Yep, and there. Were, there was another lot that I really liked. It was um, uh, it went for double the cat. Also, I was the underbidder on that one too. But somebody on the on the telephone was bidding against that. I don't know whether they were bidding sight unseen or whether they had viewed it previously. But um, they saw the same thing I did in the lot. So I paid a little bit of attention to the revenue lots and. Um, there was one, I think, a match of medicine lot that went for something like triple the high estimate. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, there was some strong bidding on revenues. And, and like I said, the Hawaii section, the stamps, was really strong. There were, in fact, when that when that particular bunch that those lots came to the floor, there were probably more people in the auction than I'd ever seen the the rest of the time to, altogether. There might have been. Over a dozen people there bidding on the Hawaii lots. Well, I, can, I can tell you that the uh, handful of Hawaii dealers that were at the show uh, were ecstatic with the amount of sales that they had of Hawaii material. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really made a difference having the society there. Yes. Yeah. And and they had some high-powered stuff. The dealers did. Well, yeah. So that, that was, you know... Y you go to a lot of stamp shows and you don't see some of the uh, rarities from Hawaii like they had there. So that was that was a good point, a good uh, gauge of the activity in the auction. I set in on part of the foreign auction, um, British colonies, and they were very strong. Yep. But then again, they had some stuff you don't see every day, and so. Well, I, th I think as Cash said. The the uh, the high end mm -hmm. is taken off, and the low end is just kind of settling. Yeah, yeah, and I think the, you'll see the low end actually drop more. Well, that's what I meant by the, settling. But yeah, we, the and, uh, and the, the mid range stuff is just kind of stagnant. It always is, though. Mid mid middle, everything in the middle just sort of well, creeps with. Well, you know, the problem is I think it's actually going down because inflation is eating away at it. Yeah, well, you know, it, because I see a lot of dealers that have prices from two, three, four, five, or more years ago. They haven't changed their prices, and now that you know the dollar's worth less than it was, it, they're still not changing their prices, and they're still not selling it. 
the other thing is uh, indication two of that is um, the dollar boxes. I, I use dollars in hand parentheses, finger parentheses. Well, they used to be one dollar. Now they're yeah, two dollars. Yeah, they're two or five dollar boxes. But you know, even in the five dollar boxes that we went through, there was some very nice material in there that normally was. I mean, it, there were prices on it thirty five, forty dollars, and dealers were blowing that out trying to move it by putting it in the five dollar boxes. Well, I think a lot of it. The reason for that is that their stock is just getting overstuffed and they can't move it fast enough. Right. And so to just just to move it, they they drop the price and make it very attractive. Yeah, so it's like maybe 20, 25% of what they originally marked it up at by doing that. Yeah, I've taken advantage of a couple of those sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know if, it's a, if it makes a difference or not, but um, I... I did when I, I I bid on a couple of lots at the um, at the auction. One um, uh, I bid from my hotel room, but uh, but one I that was really interested in I bid on the floor, but I bid on my on the floor through my phone, mm-hmm. so I wasn't even you know throwing my <laughs> hand up, you know, but I wanted to be there be there live. So I'm just uh, I don't know if that's uh, if that's something that um, that other people are doing or I've done it before. Yeah. I've had an agent, yeah, and set you know, three rows behind it just to see what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure the curtains weren't bidding against you. Yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. That I, um, I don't know if I should tell that story. Okay. Well now I mentioned it. I think <laughs> I have to. Well, I've seen the curtains bid against the fire extinguisher. This, well, <laughs> th- this was in an auction a long time ago from an auction company that is no longer in business from a person who owns the auction company who is dead. So all those things together, I know I'm not going to get sued for libel or anything, <laughs> but I'm still not going to mention the name. Um, I was in the auction, and it was humorous because uh, there was a person, and it was uh, some German stamps. And... It, it would start off with like $100, 110 120 130 140 and it went up to like $220. And the guy turned around and said, who am I bidding against? And the auctioneer pointed in the back and said, that person back there. And where he pointed, everybody just looked at each other and sort of shrugged, going, no me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and so they said, okay, well, then uh, we're going to reopen it, $100. Any other bids? <laughs> <laughs> going, going, going. And then he turns to the guy and he goes, I will not have you intimidating the other bidders. <laughs> and I had been going to this auction for a long time. I knew people. This guy was nobody. You know, he, he didn't intimidate anybody. He intimidated, you know, the light fixture. <laughs> so it does occur I love the fact that he called out on it because I mean he saved himself 110 bucks plus commissions and everything, but you know it, it doesn't happen much anymore. But in the past, that was uh, that that was a thing. Today, most auction companies do not own their own stuff. Right. Back then, they did. So you know that bidding somebody up 100 bucks got you 100 bucks. And this guy being a newbie, they probably said, ah, I don't recognize this guy. He's going, he's going to go against that uh, light fixture over there. <laughs> <laughs> Fun stuff. History. 
while we're still on the subject of auctions, I want <clears throat> to just bring up that uh, I spent a few minutes with Matt Kuriga at the uh, at yeah. the show, and he has, you know, most recently worked for Skyler, but he's stepping off on his own, starting a new auction company, Kuriga Auctions, and he's based out of Virginia. And uh, he's going to do some online auctions, and he's also going to be the APS stamp show engineer uh, auctioneer in Cleveland this year. So uh, I would encourage everybody to that wants to look at auction items to check out his auction lots that are online. I don't know how much he has up yet, but um, he said he wanted to get an online auction under his belt before the APS show. So I don't know, maybe. And spell his last name for everybody because it is tough. It's oh, now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> K-W-K-E-W-R-I-G-A or something like that. Yeah. So anyway, a uh, new person will watch what happens. Uh, he's getting in at a tough time. You know, there's he, a lot of co- competition. You know, there, there's been a lot of talk of him buying one or another of the auction houses or uh, coming on board as a as a potential to take over. And uh, he decided that uh, he didn't want to do that. He wanted to start his own. And uh, so uh, he is uh, well-versed in postal history and classics oh, of the United States. Very, very knowledgeable. He's written lots. He's run the <laughs> auctions. And uh, like I said, really good guy. And... Uh, I encourage everybody to check out his auctions. Yeah, I'm going to definitely be going to the Cleveland, and that's for that first auction. But if he's going to have one ahead of time, I'll be very, very interested to find I don't, out about it. I don't know for sure if he's going to make that deadline, but mm-hmm. uh, he'll def- he's definitely doing an auction at the show. So, um, yeah, definitely another, check it out. Another auction that's starting kind of hip stamp is going to have their penny auction, which they always have, except they're going to change it to a dollar auction. And they're going to go for things that are going to realize $200 and more. So I'm very, and and they're going to, you know, right now um, it's $10 and more. So, you know, they don't check, but uh, this one there, you have to submit the items and they'll check to see if they think that the retail is going to be 200 bucks. I'm, going to support them with it because I like supporting Hipstamp. And I'm probably going to put 25 items up. Um, You take a chance. You take a risk because, again, this is the first big auction. However, they've sold big stuff in the past, so we'll see what happens. If you're not on Hipstamp, uh, check it out. Hipstamp, in my opinion, is a far better auction platform than eBay by by quantum amounts. Well, I think that's because they're focused on stamps only. I think that it's because they have a smaller number of auctions that they put into a category where you can easily access it. Whereas eBay, you know, finding the, all their auctions is kind of tough. Oh, yeah. Uh, just uh, just alone, the, the ability and I hit stamp to search for a number one and only get number ones, you know, yeah. versus on eBay where you get everything that starts with one. Yeah, you'd get number one. Or has a one in number it. 12, <laughs> number 12, <20, laughs> number 21, <laughs> all this stuff. 
Yeah, it is tough. Um, so check them out. Uh, just as a note, Dell Camp, who is also an auction company, they're uh, in Belgium. I think Belgium. Anyway, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court ru- made a ruling on collecting sales tax, making it easier. And Del Camp said, we're out of here. Uh, and they left 23 states, Washington, D.C., and Puerto Rico. They just canceled the account because they can't collect sales tax in Belgium. eBay, well... You know, we, we've discussed eBay. eBay gets paid to collect sales tax, so they do because they make money on it. But Del Camp, they just put that in Lynn, so we'll see what happens. Cool. Also, just to follow up on uh, the Wonder Screen, I, I will talk uh, about I just restored a stamp today. Actually, two stamps today. Soaking them in Ronsonol lighter fluid for a day or two. And uh, for removing light stains, give that a chance because um, it doesn't affect the color of the stamp. It doesn't affect the gum. But the Ronsonol, which is basically cleaning fluid, that's kind of what, you know, sort of. Well, it's naphtha. Yeah. Um, I was able to restore two stamps, get rid of their staining, finger quote staining, and uh, they look much better now. So that's something also you can do. That's not really a wonder screen thing. You want to put that in a glass jar and s- to seal up the glass jar. Yeah, because otherwise it'd evaporate. Yeah, and then you'll have to smell runs and all lighter fluid in your house for the next year. <laughs> and don't smoke while you're doing that. Yeah, don't smoke. <laughs> so that's just another thing. Anybody else have any other little tidbits to add in? Well... I know I had to step out for a minute because we had a customer come in, but uh, I didn't get to to uh, tell about what I found at Westpex. Oh, go for it. Because uh, I was told by those who were with me that um, I won the award for the coolest thing ever yep. on the first day. And yep. It, I it was over. I didn't, I didn't get beat, so. <laughs> yep. It was over day one. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I purchased a a Western Union Telegraph stamp die, yep. the actual die that they engraved to create the stamp, and uh, it had a die proof, and a and a um, and a cardboard sleeve, and the proof was pasted on the outside of the sleeve, and uh, it was a, it was just the actual steel die for that stamp, and I just thought it was super cool, and. And the guys I was having dinner with agreed that uh, uh, they they weren't going to beat me this that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> that was a cool item. Yes, that is definitely. But you can't put it in your album. No, it it's would, like a four and a half, five millimeter thick piece of hunk of metal. <laughs> no, it's thicker than that. No, oh. you need one of those special um, uh, exi- the exhibit. Hall that had the, oh, the album the sticking acrylic, up. Yeah. yeah, you need yeah. one of those kind of pages. Yep. Actually, that's what got the uh, NSDA started with uh, the award. They have an award for best presentation or breakthroughs in presentation. Right. Yeah. And uh, that w- that was one of the things is you walk 
and they have a stamp album in their exhibit. And what it is is it's an acrylic sort of cover that goes over the front of the exhibit panel that has all the 3D stuff in it. Or not 3D stuff, but all the thick stuff. It gives it the 3D look. Yeah. Because you can exhibit something that's an inch or two thick. Well, well the person had uh, the first U.S. stamp collection, or the oldest known U.S. stamp collection. And it was like a, it was a school book where they had written all their notes. And on the front and side cover, there was a whole bunch of U.S. number 11s glued onto it. And so he goes, that's the earliest known stamp well, collection. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'll buy it. You've, you've got an argument there. Yeah. Put together in 1850s, that's probably it. Yep. So are we going to talk about breaking news? Oh, give, give us some breaking news. Breaking news. Linz broke the story this week, and it has come out digitally, but we should be getting them in the mail, that a uh, unknown plate block of the CIA invert sheet had been offered on eBay. And our friend Wayne Youngblood uh, wrote the article, but this is the upper left plate block. And if you remember on the, the original CIA invert was discovered and purchased back in the mid 80s, 1980s. So this has been 35 years plus. Um, and in the meantime, that pane had, w when the, it had been purchased, the plate block was missing. It had already been used as postage and sent out. So only 95 copies were actually purchased in the, in the remaining plane. And this also was not pl that plate block position. Well, this that's what I was getting to, right. Okay. So the speculation at the time was that uh, it was going to be, there, there were three other panes somewhere because they're printed in a sheet of four panes. No, a pane of four sheets. Pane of four sheets. Did I say it backwards? Yes. Anyway, so <laughs> so there there was going to be, you know, speculation there could be more. But in 35 years, nothing showed up. And just uh, the end of April, this was um, this plate block was actually listed on eBay by um, Mark Easter, mm -hmm. who apparently has the plate block on consignment who could not be reached for comment and we actually we, called him at lunch we tried tonight. to get a comment before <laughs> publication but um he did talk to lens and said that this was an item that was on consignment and he had no other information on it but yeah sure wayne says in his in his article wayne's it it, it a half of a sentence says Something to the effect of, we don't know if any of these singles that have been selling are from this particular sheet or from the others. Yep. So instead so of there being 95, 95 of these, there's probably 195. At well, there's at least the full 100 now. Yeah. And so they've been selling them for the last decade or so. And well, now they're out of them. And they well, go, well, it's, it's going to be go difficult <laughs> to tell because... Even though they were, you know, they would would have all been printed at the on the same sheet, mm -hmm. uh, on the same press sheet, and then it split into four panes. And with the high speed presses, even that they had in the eighties, um, 
the centering on those is going to be such that it's going to be almost impossible to tell them uh, one pain from another because they should all be centered approximately the same. Right. But you could, the margin, apparently the margin on the left is a little bit wider than the white margin that was left when the imp- when it was the inverted yeah. was, was a little larger on the left side than the right side. So on the original pane, you can have right margin copies that uh, probably you can identify as coming from that pane. Mm-hmm. And on the left one, which the plate block belongs to, it's a little wider, wider margin. So the singles that are down the sheet from the plate block would be identifiable as coming from that pane. But the ones in the middle, you would think that they're, they're going to look the same on both sides or on both panes. Therefore, have some of these that we have been seeing in the marketplace actually coming from the second plate, which we know nothing about the origin of yet. So well, there's a sheet of CIA inverts and there's a sheet of Mark Easter inverts. Yes, well, <laughs> because these wouldn't be... the. Theoretically, this wouldn't be the CIA invert on the left because it's CIA people didn't buy that one. Right. <laughs> but I, I think the name's still going to stick. Oh, of course it will. But uh, a little known fact about that particular issue is that the uh, the flame and the and the halo around the flame are actually shifted. It's a it's a color shift that's actually moderately significant um, in that. If, if the candlestick were right side up, that that flame would not be on the candlestick where it should be. It would be a completely different position. So um, that's one of the reasons why uh, those particular stamps don't grade very well. But, hey, it's an invert. It's an error. and It's famous. And, and it's, it made it's it famous, into the marketplace. And so grading is only a secondary attribute. Yeah. And, it, and it made it into the marketplace by being sold over the counter. Yep. Yeah. Which is a big deal. The, but we don't know that for sure about the second pain. Right. have no idea. Now, there, he alludes to in the article also that the most credible uh, rumor that circulated about other pains of that stamp come from Las Vegas. So at lunch today, I was talking to Jim Forty about this. And um, Jim says, well, he says, I'm the one that contacted Linz about that pain. Now, I don't know. And I, I said, oh, really? And he says, yeah. He says, I, I knew a guy at the post office, and he said they found a pane of the invert lighthouse or the invert uh, candlestick here in Las Vegas, but they destroyed it. They burned it. Yeah. And I said, oh, I'd, I'd never heard that story before. So now there's another rumor. The one that, that Wayne alludes to was Las Vegas, but he said the person who had the pain uh, had lost access to it. He he put it in a storage and lost access to it. So I don't know what that means unless he's in a really nasty divorce that lasted 35 years. (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting that they they destroyed the pain found here and and what Jim was saying is that at the time that that there was a huge controversy because the uh, people at the CIA were basically worked for the government, and um, and it was a scandal that they made money off of right. these stamps that they bought for the CIA, and so um, there was a lot of fear that the government was going to come in and seize them, right? Kind of like the 
1933 uh, $20 gold piece or the uh, reprinting them like they did with the... Or the, the attempt at the inverted Jenny. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so when the discovery was made in Las Vegas of the of the single sheet, um, it it became radioactive. And, uh, and, and that's why they <laughs> went so far as to, as to, as to destroy it. Well, that, anyway, that's the rumor of the story. So. Yeah. Tune in here to hear all the rumors. Well, what some of these are probably going to, we're going to get answers over the next few months as Linz continues to publish stories about oh, it. Oh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that folds out. And on that note, keep collecting. We need your help. Nothing on the internet is free, including our phone and internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. <laughs> because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this Silcom was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.